Hi, welcome back to another episode of Chris Dyer's Creative Friends, the super awesome podcast show where me, your artist friend Chris Dyer, talks to all his super awesome creative friends. Today I'm talking to Max Egan, who's an old Australian friend of mine, who's an activist, a political commentator, musician, who now lives out here in Acapulco, Mexico, and we sat outside of his bar here and had a really interesting conversation. I think you'll find many new perspectives through it so we can all continue having a conversation about what's happening in our reality right now. So enjoy. Between the women and a man, Chris Dyer and his creative friends, darling. Thanks for having me over here at, at your place. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, not feeling so well. You got a cold or a? Yeah, I think everyone's down with something. It's like they maybe they're spraying us or something. Yeah, you think? They're yeah. Out here. <laughs> the sky's so blue. Yeah, well, I don't know. Something's going on. Every, most people at the conference seem to have something. So. Uh huh. Well, maybe we're just like you know mixing a lot of Could different be. kinds of bacteria from all around the world. Could be. Um. So wh where are we right now? We're in Acapulco. We're in Bonfil, outside the Casa de los Cuevos, which is my new bar, my new business. Uh-huh. How is that? Like, how is it living out here? It's amazing. It's yeah. been really good. Like, to go from being a political refugee, sort of, you know, political escapee from Australia, to owning a bar in Acapulco in just over 12 months is pretty amazing. And I didn't script any of it. I mean, you couldn't plan this, the way this has all happened. And... Uh, yeah, it, it feels really good. Nice. Do you so, like living in Mexico? Is yeah. it a happy, chill place? I love it. I love the people. Uh, I mean, Mexico, they say it's so dangerous. I think they say that because they don't want you to come here and figure out that the rest of the world needs to catch up to Mexico, you know? Right. It's yeah. uh, it's amazing. This this community that I live in, Bonfil, is a really, really open community. Really kind, really caring. All the locals are very supportive of me having this business, and it's great. It's really, really good. Yeah, noise like, oh, what's this foreigner doing here? Nobody worries about noise. I mean, we've had noise here from all quarters. Anyway, we've had people, they set up a PA here at the end of the building one night and had a birthday for a five-year-old playing children's songs at 110 dB till 3 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, what do you do? It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. It's really good. That's awesome. It's a super chill, mellow vibe. Yeah, it's really, really good. I love Mexico. Nice, yeah. I love the Mexican people. It's my sixth time here, so I always like coming back. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's start with an easy question. Max, what is the purpose and the goal of life? Why is humanity here? Do Are we here up to something, or is this just like a bunch of random things happening? I think each each individual is here to express themselves to the fullest of their potential. Um, to find out who you are, to find out what that frequency that is you actually is and to learn how to express that. Um, that's what I think it's about. I mean, we are incredibly creative creatures and could turn the world into anything we want 
unfortunately a group of parasites have kind of taken control and they're leading it to where they want, which seems to be extermination. And I think even them doing that provides us an opportunity for us to remember who and what we are and to stand up and, and do something about this. And all we have to do to fix the world is to remember who and what we are. And oh my God, I have value. I don't have any rulers. I don't have anyone who can control me because you're just the same as me. You know, just because you write stuff down on paper and you wear a fancy suit doesn't mean that I actually have to do it. You know, so with what's going on, I mean, through this whole COVID scam and everything they've done, I think it's a huge opportunity for freedom if people would just shake off the shackles, you know, and it's an opportunity for them to do that. If they don't, well, they're going to go, they've been given a choice, you know, take a lethal injection and, and go away or stand up for yourself. And that's what this time is. And I think that uh, the worse it gets, the more people are going to see the need to stand up. So. I imagine that pursuit for uh, enlightenment, let's call it, or polishing the diamond or becoming like the, the flowers that we are is difficult on a normal day without having individuals trying to put any kind of roadblock on our way. Um, but perhaps these roadblocks are accelerators that create such a dissonance and uh, contrast between the flowering enlightenment and the darkness they want to cage us in, that perhaps it's even a gift. Well, yeah, it is. It is. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing time to be alive because we were just sort of going along. People were just in this trance, just going along, doing what they're told, thinking that all of this stuff that they you know, they think is important, you know, like going and working a job and, and getting a nice house with a big front door and all this sort of crap they think is actually important. Maybe this is helping them realise that it's not. You know, it's, it's about you. It's like, like I said, it's about finding the fullest of your potential and expressing that. And when people have been sort of corralled and just, just they're moving along like sheep for so many years, they need something to shock them out of that slumber. And that's what I think this whole COVID scam is. It's an opportunity for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So let's take it as a gift. So um, I personally am here for this event called Anarchapulco. I've never done an event like this before. I don't know if there's even a lot of events like this. Um, could you help us uh, know what this is about? Could you tell us what Anarchapulco is about? Anarchapulco is, is anarchist, um, an anarchist society, anarchist community. And anarchism is simply means without government, without rulers. That's all it means. So it's an opportunity for people to find themselves and express themselves and find a way through this. It's an opportunity for people to come together and network with each other and find out other ways they can operate outside the system. I mean, the system is the matrix. People's belief that the system is real, that's the matrix. People's belief in authority is the matrix. So Narcopulco is exactly the opposite of that. It's completely freeing yourself from that mentality. It's, It's open source anarcho-capitalism, like you, you do what you can to survive, as long as you're not hurting anybody else, it's all good. And express yourself to the fullest of your potential. So that's what it's about. It's about bringing all those people together. There's all different speakers and different concepts, and I mean, the crypto crew and all that sort of stuff. I'm not really that, I don't even understand cryptocurrency. I mean, I've got some, but I don't really even understand it. But a lot of the conference is focused on that. Um, but mostly it's, it's focused on freedom. It's focused on self-empowerment. It's focused on community projects and just like not not saying, you know, can you can you just let me be free? Can you just let me get on with my life? No, it's just get on with your life. Be free and get on with your life. That's what it's about. And that's what we try to express at Anarchapulco. And it's it's been great this year. There's been so many new faces and uh, it's been really good. It's been really great to see the community come together. And like everyone's been gathering here at night and we've been having these 
incredible experiences, and it's it's great. It's uh, it's fantastic. I've liked it a lot so far. Uh, a, a wide diversity of points of views. It's not like it's all one kind of person with the same stories. Like, well, that's the thing. Everybody's got an idea. So whatever right. your idea is, put it on the table. Maybe someone will come along and say, "Hey, I've got something I can add to that." Uh -huh. And it'll turn into something that you didn't even dream of, and it'll take on its own life and grow into something incredible. Right. I mean, and we've got to find the way through this, but what, what that looks like, nobody really knows. Right. But this meeting of the minds, when we all come together, and we respect each other and network with each other, and people give ideas to each other and bounce stuff off each other, it turns into something that we didn't even dream of. And that's what, it, that's what it's about, you know? Right. It seems to be a general respect. Like, I don't agree with every single uh, idea or theory that's thrown at me. Some are like, no, that's a little bit too far for me. Or like, hey, there's something interesting there. But it's good to exchange with respect. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I really like it. Um, and I think there's like a, a little bit of a misunderstanding of what anarchy is. It, it, it feels like anarchy is like, oh, I do whatever the fuck I want. It's a free-for-all. Fuck everything. Nah. But it's, it, it's it has not. a lot of respect for others and their own freedom to do whatever the fuck they want, right? Well, you think about what, what, the, what true law is, natural law, you know, God's law, whatever you want to call it, is, is do no harm. You know, and that's really the only law that there is. And, and with the anarchist community, I mean, all the ideas that we've got, yeah, it's not chaos. People think anarchy is, is you know, burning buildings and trashing cars and burning down governments and all this sort of stuff. It's not. It's simply not being with rulers and realizing that you are establishing the, enough integrity in yourself to be able to govern yourself. And it's helping people get that, get that, that feeling. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's what it's about. And um, anarchy is really the way the world should be run. It's, it's natural law, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, in an anarchist society, if you do the wrong thing by me, well, I'm going to hurt you. You know, that's the way it is. I'm going to do, you know, take revenge or exact restitution or whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't say take revenge, but, you know, it, things can, can work, work themselves out. You don't need rulers. You don't need police. You don't need any of that shit. In a, in a true anarchist society, nobody really hurts anybody because everybody knows that's the rules. You know, if you, if you step on someone's toes, they might step back on you. So and if you can help people and compliment people in what they do and, and improve their ideas by bouncing ideas off each other and being open to that, that's what it's about. I mean, we, we are capable of so much and we could create any world we want if we were just left to our own devices to do it and we operated in a, in a situation of mutual respect. And that's what anarchy is. That's what anarchism is, and that's what this um, uh, conference is about. Um, I don't want to be pessimistic, but I personally find myself that there's most people, or a lot of people, are takers. And if they get a chance to steal or <coughs> cheat or, or take for their own benefit, they would. How does that work into that? anarchistic uh, respect that we should all have? Like, would it be in work when there's quote-unquote bad apples? Well, we have a society that keeps people um, suspended in a state of artificial scarcity through the money system, um, through what people believe is value. People um, don't understand how reality works. They don't understand what value is. So people are, are worried about money. They're worried about this. They're worried about that. They're, because of what society has created, they've got this vision of what they need to be they measure themselves up to standards which are given to them by society. They're not their standards. You know, they've got to have this, and they've got to have that, and they've got to have the new car and this and that and whatever. Once you get past that, and, and I think that's what a lot of this is about, is helping people get past that. You, you realise that, that none of that means anything. In a state of anarchy, in, in this society we want to create, it's a cooperative thing. 
So no one's in a state of scarcity. Everyone, everyone's in a state of abundance. I mean, abundance is our natural state. You know, it's just this particular money system that the government's got us enslaved to, where we live in a, a system of perpetual self-generating debt. You know, so we can get away from that. Even with the crypto crew, that's what a lot of that's about. Get out of that situation of self-generating debt and, and create your own abundance. You know, and that's what we're doing. So uh, it, it's mainly that society that does that. It's not, uh, it's not us. It's not, you know, so, yeah. Well, I, I hope we can get there. Um, when I got here to this festival or conference, uh, some of the people that I, was, I shared online were telling me, like, did you catch the HBO documentary? Did you see the Vice report about Anarchapulco? I haven't. I don't know much about it. Do you know much about it? What's that about? And well, it, it kind of, there was a, a documentary that was made. It kind of focused on a very small fringe section of the Anarchapulco group, and there was a lot of drama in that. And uh, it kind of focused on that and tried to paint the whole anarchist movement and Anarchapulco itself in a pretty bad light. Okay. Um, back in 2000 and I think like 2016 or 2017, there was a, a couple of people that were escaping the United States and they came across the border into Mexico and they, they came to Anarchapulco and they kind of had this vision of what it was going to be. And they kind of, because they'd escaped and they were on the run and all this sort of stuff, they kind of considered themselves to be like, we're the, we're the main draw card. Well, no, you're just a couple of people that have come to the conference, you know. And so all this division started and blah, blah, blah. And one of them ended up like selling a lot of drugs and blah, blah, blah. Which, you know, you come to Mexico and you're going to set yourself up in, a, in your own business. Well, if it's selling drugs, this is not a good thing to do. You know, and he ended up getting shot. You end up getting killed. We warned him, don't do this in Acapulco. Don't come here and deal drugs because the cartels do that. And if you want to step on the cartel's toes, they're going to push back. And they, the guy got shot. He got murdered. So the anarchist, the, uh, anarchist series kind of focused mainly on that. And there was a few dramas. There was one of the organisers ended up... Um, it's a complicated story, but he ended up drinking himself to death, one of the guys as well. So... The conference kind of focused on these negative things. This guy getting shot, this other guy drinking himself to death. It portrayed Jeff Berwick in a very bad light. Jeff was kind of a bit of a clusterfuck back then. He was kind of drinking a lot and, you know, pretty blasé about his life. You know, he's done a lot of work on himself since then. But it managed to get all of those things. Like, it spent six years just filming bits of the conference. Came to every conference and just took little bits out of six years and made six episodes. And uh, it portrayed the whole thing in a pretty bad light. Uh -huh. And it wasn't really... The, I mean, the people that were doing this, the guy who drank himself to death had actually left the conference, had left the crew. The, the guy who got shot wasn't actually even part of it to begin with. So, but they just made it look like it was. And right. uh, yeah, they just portrayed it in a really bad light. So, I mean, I think that was the whole... Like I said before, you, with anarchy, it's about self-expression and it's about self-empowerment and they don't want that. So they've got to latch onto these little bits and find it and portray it in a TV way. And they like the drama. They like, you know, if there's someone dying or someone sick, oh, yeah, let me get that on camera, you know. Mm -hmm. This is the way TV works, so, you know. It, uh, I, I could see them doing this when they were filming and I thought, this is, I don't trust these people, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they showed us that they couldn't be trusted. I mean, they missed out on so much positive stuff and so much stuff that could have shown what the movement and what the conference is really about. They didn't focus on any of that, they just focused on people's right. personal stories 
and it was the most drama they could find. Yeah. And like I said, it's people who aren't even actually involved in the conference. Right. So It's yeah. so sad that positive things, constructive things, things that make the world a better place are just not exciting enough for that, that kind of Well, crowd. they don't want the world to be a better place. They want the world to be a controlled place. I mean, with what they're doing through this whole COVID thing and this whole smart grid and everything they're doing, they want people controlled, locked down, exterminated. They want, they want like, reduce the world to 500 million, the way the Georgia Godstone said, and just control of everybody and get rid of everybody else. That's the plan. So they can't portray any type of movement that is speaking out against government and working towards self-empowerment and anarchism, self-governance. They can't allow this to thrive. They can't allow this to get out there and portray it in a positive light because that doesn't work for the system, you know? But this is who, like HBO or the owners of HBO, or is it just people who are looking for spicy TV and they have no... Well, know? film producers, I guess. I mean, they, they want to be able to sell their product to HBO. HBO is going to want drama and, you know, Vice and all these crew are going to want drama and they're going to want these personal stories and they're going to want something they can get their teeth in so they can say, look at these people, don't go there, don't do that, look out mm. how, how nasty and how dangerous this is. Your government's going to protect you. Make sure you do what you're told. Don't go to Mexico, you know. Right, don't try something new. Yeah. But I see nothing but positivity here, and it's perhaps because it was a little bit disorganized before. It's been very well organized this year. Uh, I got a really good impression of it, and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, is there any speakers that you enjoy from the, the conference that I've, you like, have enjoyed hearing? or? I've actually been pretty sick the last few days, so I haven't actually been to the conference. I went there for a little while yesterday. I'm going to go today, mm -hmm. but uh, I've, been, I've been quite sick. There's been something in the air, and I, I've spent like two or three days in bed, so I've missed most of the speakers. So I'm going to have to watch all the replays. But, uh, I mean, I want to see Andrew Kaufman's speech. I want to see his workshop. Um, there's a few people I want to see. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to have to do that later. So I can't give you an opinion on that. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think another nice thing about the conference is that they raise all these funds for the Marsh Home. Do you know the Marsh Home? Yeah, it's two streets away, and it's incredible. You've got a, a woman who's 80 years old looking after 68 children. And uh, we do what we can for her all the time. We, we uh, really support the Marsh Home. And these kids are great. They're really, really good. And the woman who looks after them is just amazing. These and a lot are of the, orphans from... Well, they're just street kids and orphans from around the place, yeah. So none of them have got parents. Or if they have, they, you know, their parents are uh, messed up and the kids can't go there. So this particular woman just looks after them. And uh, I don't know how she does it. I don't know how she looks after 68 children, like one woman. And uh, they're great kids, too. They're really, really good. And they always come to the conference. They do a little show for us. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's really good. So we do a lot of work for them, a lot of charity. And um, we sub I mean, that, that, that's an ongoing thing all year. We're always doing stuff for the kids. So, yeah, yeah, that's so nice. Um, I went to give a speech yesterday for them, and I painted them a mural yeah. here by the pool. I love your artwork, by the way, brother. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I'm happy to be here to be of service. So we actually met... 2012 during the uh, Australia Eclipse Festival, uh, we were in Kuranda at Adam Scott Miller's gallery home and Amanda Sage was teaching a workshop and I was teaching a spray painting workshop and you were hanging out and we had a little bit of conversation and you stuck out to me because you, you were telling me how I was not supposed to pay taxes and I was like what I don't have to pay taxes you're like yeah it's illegal and stuff so I always thought like, well like I don't know how to pull that off but here's a person who thinks differently 
how was your life in Australia? Did you live in Kiranda? And what's actually like your job or your mission? Are you an activist? Are you a speaker? Well, what's the thing that you do? And how was your life there? Well, I was a musician for years and years. Um, when I was in the, my third year of high school, I left, just walked out of my high school and halfway through my exams in my third year. A lot of noise here this morning, folks. Yeah. Sorry about that. It's okay. Picked the perfect time for an interview. But well, it's more spikes in our, you know. Yeah, Mexico, you know. Yeah. But um, I was a musician for a, for a lot of years and um, always lived, like like I said, I, I left school halfway through my exams in my third year of high school. I just thought, what am I doing here? And, and walked out. I'd already been kicked out of four schools by that time for arguing with my teachers. And I just became a musician, lived on the outside of society for most of my life. Then when 9-11 happened, I kind of put that aside and became an activist out of necessity because, okay, here's the big event we've been waiting for. This is going to usher in their new world order, you know? So then I just became an activist. And I've always had this saying that if you throw yourself to the wind, you can ride it. And I, I have no stake in the outcome of anything I do. I just sort of go with the flow and do what needs to be done and say what I feel needs to be said. And I believe that if I, if I operate from my heart, the universe will guide me, it will provide for me, it will look after me. I started doing that in uh, 2004. I just I stopped playing in bands and I just jumped on the activist wagon and uh, I've been looked after. It's all work. The way I've come to Mexico and, and manifested this bar within, within 12 months, there's, there's no way I could have planned this. There's no way I could have scripted it. Uh, I could never have afforded to build it or do any of this sort of stuff. It just kind of fell into my lap, which shows you that if your heart's in the right space and you're saying the right thing and you're providing the right energy, the energy comes back to you. Life is an emotional mirror. And I've always operated that way in everything that I've done. I've just treated it like an emotional mirror and I've just tried to do the right thing and tried to be the best person I can be and help as many people as I can along the way and point out a better way, a better way for us to go as humanity rather than what the government is leading us into. And I've just done that and I've been guided and people want me to come and speak and they want me to do interviews and all so it just sort of works, and I never planned on any of this. I never planned on being an activist, never planned on being a celebrity or whatever people call you, you know. But it just works. I, I believe that if your heart is true and you are a good person, you're the best friend you can be to people and you are improving the world by your presence into it, then the, the world will provide for you and it will guide you and you, you'll be in the right place. So that's just the way I live. I mean, I can't really explain it, but I've never recognised the authority of government. I just don't, you know, these people, think, who are you guys? Who are you? Why do you think you have control over me? Why do you think all this stuff you write down actually means something? As far as taxes and things go, I've never filled out a tax form. I just never participated. People have said to me, how did you get out of paying taxes? And I, just, I just didn't participate. Uh -huh. I don't even know what the form looks like, you know? I don't know what a voting form looks like. I don't know what a tax form looks like. I don't know what any of this stuff. And they get you in trouble? Well, maybe, but it, it, it hasn't. So... Because I think my heart's in the right place. If you're in that energy, like, I don't worry about it. If you're worried about it, oh, they're going to come for me, they're going to come for me. They probably would, you know, but I don't, I don't operate that way. I, I don't, it's a mirror. It's an emotional mirror. Like I said, your natural state is abundance. And if your heart is in the right place and you're doing the right thing, I think the universe is going to mirror that back to you. Like, when I, when I got here, when I left Australia, I was just, I had this intuitive feeling that I, was, I, was, I had to leave. And I was fully prepped. I had almost, I had two or three years worth of food. I've got everything good. I live out in the country. I'm good. If they shut the world down, I'm good. You know, I can walk into the forest and I'm good. But I just had this feeling, no, you've got to leave. You've got to get out of the country. I'm like, really? You know? 
and I sort of got it and I booked a ticket and then cancelled, you know. And then a week later, I booked it again and left. And two days later, I was in America. And then two days after that, I was in Mexico. As soon as I got here, the police went and started visiting my sister, looking for me. They shut my bank accounts down. They did all sorts of stuff. So they were not happy with what I was saying. But Spirit told me, you've got to go now. You've got to go somewhere. And I, I arrived in Mexico, don't know the language, didn't have any, didn't even have an address, didn't have a phone number. I just said to a friend of mine, hey, I'm, I'm coming to Mexico. And he said, I'll, I'll, I've got you covered. I'll, I'll have someone pick you up. Uh-huh. And I, I got here, trusted that was going to happen, and it did. And like I said, 12 months later, I'm here. I've got this bar, I've got my own business, all this stuff's going on that I could never have planned. Right. But I was prepared to just put my life aside, drop everything, and just walk into the void. And it was freaky doing it. Like, it was freaky leaving Australia. Excuse me. <coughs> freaky leaving Australia at that time because there was so much going on with the COVID lockdown and all that sort of stuff. I went through Brisbane Airport. It was empty. Like, walking through this empty, dark airport. Wow. There's only lights on in the, in the corridors that you're walking down. All the uh-huh. shops were closed. I saw three people at the ticket counter, two people on customs, and didn't see anybody else until I got to my gate. And there were seven people at my gate. Wow. And we got on this huge airline. There was eight of us. Was it illegal to fly at the time? It wasn't illegal. That, that, it was two weeks after I left, they brought in um, jab mandates for flying and all that sort of stuff. I had to get permission to leave. I had to apply to sell. I'm going overseas for a business opportunity, you know, uh-huh. and they would let me leave for doing that, but they wouldn't let me just, you wouldn't let you go out for a holiday or anything like that. You had to have a reason uh-huh. to, to leave the country. So someone sent me an invitation to the United States. So I said, well, I've got a business invitation and applied for an exemption to leave. Uh-huh. Even the fact that you're applying for an exemption to leave Australia, I mean, this is a good reason to leave, you know? Right. The fact that you've they even got you to like do that. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought, wow. And it, it was freaky. It was really freaky walking onto that plane and not knowing what the future was going to be, not knowing if I was going to get picked up going through the airport, not knowing if I was even going to be able to go into the United States because I wasn't jabbed, you know? Right. So, but I just threw myself into it and got through and ended up here. And like I said, a few days after I got here, everything went crazy in Australia. They came looking for me, shut my bank accounts down, all sorts of stuff happened. Wow. So my intuition was right. To you? Why are you so dangerous to them? Well, because I don't like what I'm saying, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to empower people into freedom and I'm rec- not recognising the authority of government. I never have, you know. These people are an invalid corporation, especially in Australia. I mean, government, and through the whole COVID scam, I mean, government is a, is a group of people who are elected into positions of authority, into positions of power, positions of management, essentially. And they're doing a god-awful job. They've, they've abused that authority. They've lied to people. They've destroyed lives through this whole COVID thing under the pretext of keeping people safe. So the way I look at it, they've all abdicated any privilege they ever had to govern to begin with. And governing is a privilege. You know, it's not a right. It's a privilege. We put these people into positions of management. They're supposed to do the right thing. But the problem is they're politicians. You know, that's what's wrong with government is politicians. We need good managers if we're going to have government at all. Mm-hmm. I guess we need some sort of government because we've got these cities. I would like to see people re-educated to the point that they can govern themselves and manage things themselves. Government gets in the way of that. So they stop you doing everything that, that means anything. And they control... Like the other day, there was a leak here on the, on the, on the road. And I noticed it's a guy here fixing it. He's there, he's, he's digging it up with his cold chisel. He's got thongs on and board shorts and you know, he's got an angle grinder and he's cutting pipes and stuff. In Australia, you'd need to have 
hard shoes, you need to have a hard hat, you need to have gloves, you need to have protective clothing, all these regulations, government need regular... It, so it costs like five times as much to do it, uh-huh. and it would take five times as long because of all the regulations government put in place, Right. which is all about controlling you. You can't just go and do it, you know? Here in Mexico, you just go and do it and fix it, you know? It needs to be done, so you do it. So, so you think there's zero good intention behind the uh, managers? Like, yes. I, I want to make a lot of devil's advocate questions. <coughs> like, I agree with you in a lot of these points, but like, you know, maybe they got good intentions to keep people protected or... I don't think so. I think that they're parasites. I think they're liars. I think that they are doing everything they can to control every aspect of the human experience. I have no faith in politicians at all. I think that every problem that we face in the world, doesn't matter what it is, it was legislated into existence. And when we try to fix those problems, we come against all this red tape and all this stuff we've got to do, which is all legislated to be there. You know, every problem is legislated into existence. It's deliberate, you know, and government don't serve the people, they serve themselves. I think of the world not as a system of countries and governments, but as one large holding company masquerading as a system of international governments and, and nations, but they all work together. It's, it's a big people farm. Each country is like a department store, different franchise of the farm, and they all work together to control the people. They convince the people we need government to keep us protected and keep us safe. Well, who from? All the other governments. You know, they say China's going to come and invade the United States. Well, no, China's a country doesn't give a shit about the United States. The Chinese government and the American government may face off against each other and convince the people that they're going to have a war and the people need them to keep them safe. It's a scam. The whole thing's a scam. It's just protection, a big protection racket, you know? And I think all politicians are involved in it. They, they um, pay themselves enormous amounts of money and they, they just screw the whole world. And no, I don't trust any of them. I don't, maybe, maybe some people enter politics with good intentions, but once they enter that system, the system is corrupt from its very core kernel. You know, it's not dysfunctional, it's not broken, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. So once you enter into that system and start playing by their rules, you've, you've, you've become corrupted to begin with. You know, there's no way through that. We've got to shake off the shackles of government, shake off the shackles of politicians and learn how to rule ourselves. I wonder if humanity will be able to see through the illusions um, in, but... in many ways, this whole depopulation that's taking place is, is, is hugely beneficial for that because a lot of the really stupid people are taking the jab, they're all dying. What's going to be left are people who were smart enough not to do this. That's the orphanage. <laughs> and and uh, the, uh, they're smart enough not to do that. So you're going to have a lot of really aware and empowered people that are going to be left at the end of this. So in many ways, I think they're, uh, they're, they're destroying their own control system by doing it the way they're doing Because the more dystopian they make it, the more people are waking up. They've red-pilled most of the world yeah, in the Yeah, I last think a lot years. of people are realizing what's happening. Um, but I really resonate with the whole thing that you were saying um, about leaving your country when your intuition told you, even though you had a nice setup, because I myself, I owned my, my place in Canada, in Montreal. I was very comfortable, I had a good line, but I just could not support the vibration of Canada. And I just got out, moved to the States. Now I've just got a home in Florida and figuring out a new chapter of my life. But I, I lived in a basement in Denver for a whole year and it was driving me crazy. And I was like, oh, why did I live my great Canadian life just because of my intuition? But I'm happy now because the, the worse things get up there, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, I cannot be under the thumb mm. of some institution that doesn't even care that much about me. The, the, the problem is we have 
this idea, we have these plans, we have this, this stake in the outcome of our ideas, you know. When, when you change your life or you change something, you, you create a new idea or a new direction, you've created a, a new life. And we want to control that and we think, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go to Mexico, I'm going to do this and this and this, I'm going to end up here. You know, you have a stake in that. When it doesn't happen, you start stressing out. The more you stress out, the more the universe will give you more of that. Oh, you're stressed out, eh? Have a little bit more. Do you get it yet? You know what I mean? And so you've got to understand when you do these things, you create a, a new vibration, you create a new life. You've got to let that life grow. And if you're open to it, it'll take you in directions you never even dreamed of. Like with me coming here and ended up with this, this bar in Bond. I went all over Mexico looking for somewhere to live and where I want to be happy and ended up like back where I started and where I was supposed to be. So we have this, this stake in things, you know, and we've got to just let things grow organically and, and love it for its own life, you know, and, and not, not be focused, too heavily focused on any type of outcome. Let, let it go where it wants to go. And that's what I think people should, should do, and that, that's what I've done. And I mean, that's what you'll, you end up in this place that you like and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it, it kind of all works out if we can just let things grow and be open to the universe guiding us, you know. We, we, we have too much of an idea because of the parameters we're given to judge things by, and you know, we think we've got to end up in this place, you know, or I'm, I'm going to be safe, I need security, I need financial security, I need this or that, rather than just, like you say, throw yourself to the wind. If you do, you can ride it, and it will take you places you never dreamed you could go, you know. So that's, that's what I think life is about. That's how you find yourself. You know, like, there's no way I would have dreamed that I would end up here. Even two years ago, there's no way I dreamed I would even be in Mexico, living in Mexico. I mean, I come here for the conference every year, but what, living in Mexico? How is that ever going to happen, you know? And here I am, so yeah. Nice, well, I'm happy for you. Um, it's good to trust uh, God or the Great Spirit or, or, or Destiny to take care of us. And it's also good to know that life isn't permanent. We all die. Life changes over and over again, and we can't just hold on to the idea of who we're supposed to be or what is a good life. Sometimes we got to let it go, and perhaps life gives you something even better. Same with humanity. Like right now, we might be holding on to a certain way because we think it's so great, but perhaps it does have to go to, to shit in order to flower a new version that's more pure and less well I, th I think in many ways like human consciousness itself has reached a state of spiritual bankruptcy you know if you look at our society it's pretty messed up you know and um in it, with the state of spiritual bankruptcy we're in i mean this had to happen we had to come come to a head where it just all implodes and i can't see any other way to actually create a new system i can't see any way to enter into this system and restructure it into what we want I think this system has to completely implode and a phoenix will rise from the ashes. We just got to ensure that that's our phoenix and not theirs, you know. And that's what I think this is. But I think this had to happen. I don't think there's any other way out of this. You know, we've got to... We've done some pretty bad stuff collectively as a, as a human species. We've, we've kind of forgotten our path completely. And this is an opportunity for us to realise that and to come back onto our path and see what, we, what it really means to be human. You know, so it's an opportunity for all that to happen. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the greatest times in history to be alive. One of the most important times and one of the greatest. It's a time of absolute opportunity, uh, a time where we could actually establish freedom. But it's a, it's a painful process. It's going to get ugly before that happens. It's like childbirth. It's a painful process, you know, but there's a new life being created here. And uh, we're all doing it, you know. Nice.
I, I'm, I'm happy for that and also nervous. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I heard that you used to have a YouTube channel and that got taken away from you. Uh, am I in danger right now by talking to you on YouTube? Like, why, why, oh, are, yeah, people you are. why are people angry at, like, you? Why wouldn't you be angry at me for just having a conversation about how we view the world? What's so dangerous people, about People that? just don't like what I say. They don't like what I say because I, I um, try to empower people and I, I don't respect the system. Uh, my YouTube channel was deleted. I had 238,000 subscribers on YouTube. That got deleted. I had like 26 million video views. I got, I've been deleted from YouTube, from Facebook, from Spotify, from LinkedIn, from SoundCloud, iHeart, iTunes, um, somewhere else. Wow, it sounds like you're a very powerful man. Dude. I just well, that's the, that's the thing. I'm not. It's just that well, you freedom must be is if powerful. Trying to shut you down. Freedom is powerful, you know, and and the, the thought of freedom is powerful, and and. Conveying that thought to people and, and helping people understand that they don't need rulers is powerful. That's what they're scared of. They don't like. They don't want people to, to be able to think for themselves, operate under their own frequency. They want permission. Can I please get on with my life? You know, can I please do this? Can I please do that? Rather than just doing it. And I've always been of the opinion that I just do it. I, it's, it's a lot easier to get forgiveness than permission. So I just do stuff, you know. And uh, they don't like that. That scares the hell out of them. So I guess that's why they've shut me down so much. They just don't want people getting this message. And you'll find that you'll probably get a strike on YouTube or the video, video will be deleted or whatever. Well, I, mean, I think I'm very small potatoes for them. I don't reach that many people. But And sometimes I complain like, oh, I wish my talks reach more people. But then it's like, no, no, no. The universe gives you exactly what you do so you can reach enough and plant seeds without being shut down entirely. Like perhaps happened to you. But... You can never really be shut down entirely as, as long as you've got a mouth. <laughs> when, they, when they shut me down on YouTube, so many really big channels, like channels with two or three million subscribers, started getting little 10-minute sections of my talks and putting a little bit of music under them and posting them. And there was a, a couple of big channels. One of them wrote to me and said, we're really sorry to see you go from YouTube, but the truth is like a spring, Max. You can't shut down the source of a spring when you put a rock over the source of a spring all that happens is it pops up a hundred areas around the hill mm -hmm. and that's what's happening with your work so by deleting me on youtube they actually sent my work viral all over the place so it backfired against them because you know i, I really believe in the message that i, I put out I, I that's why it's been consistent for the last 15 16 years it's never changed people sometimes say where's all the new stuff max well, what new stuff what do you need new stuff it's about freedom. That's what this is about, is freedom. That's all it's about, you know? So that wants to happen. That wants to get out there. People want to hear that. It, the world wants to be free. Human consciousness wants to be free. So certain things happen. I mean, when they shut me down, like I said, it just made my work go viral. So what's, what's to stress about it? You know, I just continue doing what I do, and I know the universe will guide, the universe will provide. That's the way it works. So I don't, I don't have any stake in the outcome, you know? Right. And uh, they, they kind of uh, destroy themselves by trying to destroy the message. Because the more they try to shut it down, the more people think, well, well, what's this guy saying? Why do they want to shut him down? So it just goes everywhere and more people get it. So right. they kind of shot themselves in the foot by doing that, you know? Everything happens just the way it has to happen. And from my uh, plant medicine investigations, every time I go up to spirit source god whatever you want to call it and be like oh the world's in a mess what are we gonna do it's always like chill dude i got this you know no one can stop me from going back to myself 
I'm going to go back to myself, and this is just a beautiful plot with lots of ups and downs, very interesting and spicy, so I can have fun in this virtual reality game that I'm playing through all of you. Mm. It's like, See, people, all right. People have this fear of death. You know, they, they think, well, everything's going to go crazy and they, they're going to kill me or, you know, something's going to happen. Death is the only part of life which is inevitable. That's what we came here to do. And so many people will do what they're told and they'll comply. <coughs> I'm sorry, a bit, bit chesty today, but they'll comply with all the stuff the government says because, and the more, the more crazy it gets, the more dystopian it gets, they just think, oh, I'll just comply a little more. If I comply, they'll eventually let me go back to normal. But... What they're basically doing is, is getting themselves locked further and further into a cage. And they comply and they, they're, they're scared of actually standing up and breaking free because they just want to spend one more day in the prison. You know, it's crazy, you know, because it's a prison. We're living in a prison. And we've done some pretty horrible things. Like I said, the human, the human race collectively has reached a point of spiritual bankruptcy. So this has to happen. So... What, what is it really about? What is this whole experience about? Perhaps it's about how you leave the realm. What, what energetic state are you in? Are you prepared to sacrifice? Because every time you, you comply with something that you know is wrong, you give away a little bit more of your soul, a little bit more of yourself. You end up just this, this thing completely bereft of who you are, locked into a cage, walking between the lines, doing what you're told, because you're so scared of leaving the prison. You know? But you're going to leave the prison one day anyway. That's what you came here to do. You came here to die. It's, it's the information that you get along the way and how much you grow along the way. And what if this is just the exam and the main event is later? Your main event comes after this. What if this is just a 3D video game, you know? And, and, you know, it's about what you do with it and it's about how much you are prepared to sacrifice who you are to remain locked in this video game. Are you prepared to go further and further into the cage? You know, so that's the way I kind of look at it, you know? And I'm not going to go into the cage at all. This is one of the reasons why I left Australia, because if they come for me, I'm not going with you. I'm not going to the police station. You're not going to arrest me. I'm not doing any of that stuff. We're going to fight to the death right here and now. You know? And I'm not prepared to... I thought, well, I can't do that there. I'm not prepared to make my last stand there because oh, there's too much more I need to say. Uh -huh. This whole transition that's happening, there needs to be a narrator for it. You know? And maybe that's part of my role. Other people as well. But you know, there's a lot of information that people can get through this which could empower the human species and lead the human species back to a path of freedom so that's that's what i feel i'm trying to do that's what my role is i mean that's what everybody's role is if they would just pick up the torch so that's that's the attitude that i have towards it anyway i have no no stake in this so you're only here for a breath i mean you're not going to live forever so why would on earth would you comply to the point that you become a slave because you just want to stay in the prison you know i don't care about the prison i'll just get on with my life and i'll try to empower everybody that I can around me and, and do the right thing in all that I do. And that's the way I'm going to live it. If people want to stop me, well, you'll have to do it physically because I'm not backing down, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's the way I approach it anyway. Well, it seems like when we talk about alternative points of views of what's happening in society, uh, names are thrown on, on us like uh, conspiracy theory and whatnot. And, but then there's like very big, obvious... Um, Groups of people uh, postulating very radical changes in the world with, you know, excuses of good intentions. Uh, the one that I always bring up to, like, say, like, my parents and my family is, like, 
can you please go and look into the World Economic Forum? Can you look at what they're saying? Because it's not making me feel very comfortable, this whole thing of like, you'll own nothing and be happy. And they're all like, oh, Chris, you're just, you know, don't worry about it. That's conspiracy theory. It's like, no, it's on their web page. It's on their speeches. They're talking about it. Can you please tell my parents, <laughs> and my normal friends out there, what is this group and what are they doing and what's their uh, intention and goal? Well, they're removing all freedom from everybody. Um, and through the whole guise of climate change and all this sort of crap, the 15-minute cities, um, energy-compliant homes. Who are these people? The World Economic Forum. Cla Klaus Schwab, Klaus Schwab and uh, the, the Bilderbergs. And, I mean, there's a, a group of nefarious people that sit behind all governments. The leaders from all these different countries, right? Well, the, the leaders from all these countries. A lot of the leaders from a lot of the countries now are all young global leaders from trained by the World Economic Forum. So you've got people in power in our nations that are all supporting a foreign power, which is a foreign corporate power. It's not even a foreign country. It's a foreign corporate power, which has this particular idea for what humanity should be doing based on their models, which is all based on this whole economic system again. Um, they want everybody controlled. They want everybody controlled in every aspect, even your, your dreams, your thoughts, everything. They digital want you in 15-minute cities, digital IDs. That's something with Australia as well. Like Apparently, if I go back to Australia again, they want to bring in a digital ID by May the 1st. Oh, wow, that quick. Huh? That quickly, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I won't be able to even leave the country without a digital ID, and I don't want a digital ID. Yeah. So England also is that it? Yeah, everybody's going to do it. Everybody's it's it's the same thing. I mean, these young global leaders have infiltrated most governments, and uh, that's the problem. So again, it's an opportunity for us to shake off the chains. But it, it, yeah, it's it's a sordid can of worms. But um, basically, it's it's the corporate takeover of everything and micromanagement of every single aspect of, of humanity that the World Economic Forum wants to do. And depopulation. I, I actually believe that it, it's even more than, um, even more than control. They want to exterminate most of the human race. I, I really believe that's what they want to do. They want to do exterminate most of the human race. Like um, why? You, because they're psychopaths. You know, that's what they do. Uh, when you look at the jab, the graphene, some of the stuff that's in the jab, the amount of people that are dying from this jab. It's, it's horrendous what they're doing. And what they're doing with the food chain, they're breaking all the food chain down, like egg farms. How many, how many food production plants have been destroyed in the United States in the last 12 months? It's ridiculous, absolutely shocking how much has been destroyed. And, you know, floods, fires, climate change, everything that they're doing. And I don't believe climate change is, is real. You know, man-made climate change, I think it's completely ridiculous. They're doing it themselves. Um, the weather is controlled, the, uh, the, the government... And the, the media mainly just pushes it and tells you this is happening. It's like COVID. I mean, COVID isn't real. There is no virus that's ever been isolated. It's just this media telling you that the virus is there and you've got to lock down and you've got to do that. They've destroyed so many businesses, destroyed so many lives, got people completely in fear. And now they're doing more and more what the government tells them, you know. So they want to bring us into a situation where, like I said, we're in these 15-minute cities. Your home soon you're going to have to have an energy compliant home you're not going to be able to do it it's going to cost you you know half a million dollars to make your home energy compliant so of course you're not going to be able to sell your home so you have to go into one of their smart cities and live under their universal basic income and get fed blah 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 what they want you to digital ids digital currency and then they'll track and trace everything you do online so if they don't like some post you put on facebook they cut you off 
it's, it's total control of everything. So, I mean, it's hard to explain in a nutshell uh, this early in the morning. They've got me, he's got me on a bad day, folks, where I'm quite... Uh, it's been a hell of a week, but anyway. Right. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult uh, future to observe. Um, but it's, it's going to get to the point that people have to see it. Yeah. It's going to be so much in their face. They're going to wake up one morning and go, how did I end up in this prison? Because they're turning the whole world into an open-air prison. I mean, even the term lockdown is a prison term. You know, 15-minute zones, permits to go outside your zone. You know, permits to do this, permits to do that's that. That's what happened in Australia, right? And that's what they're talking about now. Like in Oxford, there's a whole bunch of 15-minute like, cities they're bringing out all around the world. Portland, um, um, Buenos Aires, there's a whole bunch of them. They want to turn what does 15 minute city mean? 15 minute neighborhood. So everything that you need to survive and everything you need to function in your life is within 15 minutes walking distance of your home. And they're turning all these places into 15 minute zones. And they want you to have a permit in order to leave your 15 minute zone. Why? Because they want to be able to control you. But well, it's what's to, your excuse? to protect the world from climate change. Okay, we don't want we don't want cars. Past 15 minutes, how you destroying the environment? Well, if you if you're going past that 15 minutes, you must have a car or something like that. Or so. a bicycle. Or a bicycle, yeah. But you know, we don't about these things. You know, they want everybody controlled. That that's what it's all about. And they want um, digital currencies and and social credit scores, so that you know everything's measured. So you've only your purchasing power is determined by your social credit score. All of these sorts of things. So, you know, and social crediting is, is something that I've been warning people about for years. And this is how they're going to control you. And once something that's already happening in China, so we can already happening that in China. humans can actually do this to each other. Have you noticed this GP chat that's happening as well? This uh, AI chat bot thing. Right. When people sign up to that, you've got to sign up with your, your phone number. Once it has your phone number, it has your browsing history. Everything you've ever done online. This is AI. It, it knows everything about everybody. Someone asked the AI to write a, write a poem about me, and it knew all about me. All about me. Knew who I was, knew where I was from, knew what I did. And the more you sign up, once you sign up to that, it's got your entire browsing history. It, it knows who you are, everything about you, every comment you ever made on YouTube, every comment you replied to, everything going way back to 1995. So this is what it's getting. It's, it's, you can think of everybody who plugs into the internet as being like a, a neural node in the AI brain that's been created. And this AI brain is going to control everything. So we're heading to a world where we won't even really need governments. We'll just be figureheads there. It'll all be AI controlled through the social credit system. Once you step outside the social credit system, if you, if you go below certain credit points, the AI will already know what your punishment is, where you need to go for be, to be re-educated. You know, it can limit your purchasing power. You can say, well, I think Chris should be eating this diet and you're buying too much of this and you're buying too much of that. So we're going to let you buy that. Your digital currency simply won't work to buy those things. You're going to have to, we're going to lead you in the direction we want to lead you, which is all about total control, to mould you into what we want you to be to serve our system. Take away all your humanity. Take away all your creative potential. You can't just go and become an artist or become a musician or become whatever. How does that benefit our society? We've got to turn you into a correct little cog to fit into the big machine. And if you don't fit in there, well, you need to be taken away for re-education. That's the way they want to play it. They want to be able to control everything. I mean, they're scared. These guys are megalomaniacs. They're psychopaths. They just want to be able to control everything. You know, they're kind of looking at the world as if uh, the one with the most wins. 
You know, in life, that's the game of life. It's the one with the most wins. The one who can control everybody else wins, you know, as if that's what life's really about, you know. So it's it's hard to, to comprehend what these guys want to do and where they want to go if you can't think like they do, think like a psychopath. You've got to train yourself to be able to think like a psychopath in order to even understand why they would be doing this stuff. And that's not an easy thing for people to be able to do because most people aren't psychopaths, mm-hmm. you know. So... And they think, oh, we can convince them to change. We can, we can appeal to their better side. No, they don't have a better side. You know, they can't change. They are psychopaths and they want control because they're scared. They don't want anybody getting in the way of what they do, you know. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty crazy future. It's a, it's a possible future. Not, it's not written. Uh, it's certainly scary and it makes me want to run away uh, <laughs> to some degree. I have already started moving away from places that would have that, but will there be a no. place in the world where we could escape that, that we'll just be happy and chill? Or is it something that we'll have to change wherever we're at? We're gonna to have to change it wherever wherever we are. It's, it's worldwide what they're doing. I mean, even here in Mexico, you've got certain freedoms here in Mexico, which is why I'm here, because Mexico will be one of the last countries to fall. If, if the world falls, Mexico will be one of the last to fall. But with enough people speaking out and putting the right message out there and enough people standing up for themselves, I don't think it will happen. We've got to put common unity back in community. We've got to start helping each other, supporting each other, working cooperatively, which is what this whole anarchist convention is all about, you know, working cooperatively. Um, they want us competing with each other and they want us dependent upon the system. So we've, the, the best thing to do is to just walk away from it. Just, just the system is a fiction. The whole thing is a fiction. The matrix, like I said, is people's belief that the system is real. The people's belief that someone can write something down on paper and call it law, and you actually got to do that. Why? You know, if if it goes against the the one universal law of do no harm, then how is it law? You know, so people don't think that way. So it's an opportunity for that. But yeah, I mean, they're trying to they're trying to corral us and control us into this thing. And it's coming to every country. Like even the stuff that they've done in Mexico here, they're now different strokes for different folks. The people in Mexico are very rebellious. You can't push them too hard, they push back. But what they've done is they've done things like, um, now they brought in uh, a couple of months ago where if you want to have a new internet account in Mexico, you've got to supply them with a tax number. They did that because most people in Mexico don't even have bank accounts. Like at least half the population don't have bank accounts. So how are you ever going to bring in a smart currency in Mexico? But they're all addicted to the internet. They're all addicted to their cell phones. So if they want to, and they change accounts all the time, you're moving and blah, 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 new things, get a new account, you know. So when you open a new account, you've got to have a tax number. In order to have a tax number, of course, you've got to have a bank account to have it hooked up to. So you're going to have to go and open a bank account. Once you've got a bank account, well, we can hook you up to this digital smart currency. So, you know, it's, it's the way they do it. Different strokes for different folks. So it's coming all around the world. But again, it's, it's an opportunity for people to see it. So I think I think the world will overcome this. I don't think they're going to win, but it's it's going to get ugly. It, it's it's going to get uglier than than what it already is. Do you think people got power, and do we have to actually physically fight it each other to that. in order to stop this, or is there some kind of Gandhi-ish spiritual way to vibe out the positive world we want? It it may come to the fact that it may come to the point that you have to fight simply because of the, the order followers, the police, the military, these these people who are just brain dead enough to keep following orders that these politicians give them. But I mean, if if enough people were to simply stop complying, like now, enough people were to get it and simply walk away from the system and begin supporting each other. Like I said, put common unity back in community. 
then I don't think we would need to fight. Um, I think we could we could just change. I mean, I've often said if people had that epiphany and just went, oh my God, I have value. I literally, I, I, I know what I am now. I remember who and what I am. I know what it means to be human. And you don't have any authority over me. I can just do the right thing in all that I do and the world will change. If people just had that epiphany, we could change the world in a day. But a lot of people are terrified of their own power. They're terrified of standing up. They're terrified of making their voice heard. You know, so I try to lead by example in what I do. And I, what I've often said to people is, you know, if you're putting me up on a pedestal or thinking I'm a guru or any of that sort of stuff, you know, or someone special, I'm not. That's the whole point. I'm a social misfit. I'm a guitar player from Adelaide, for God's sake. You know, like I'm, I'm, I didn't even finish high school. You don't have to be anything special in order to make a difference. You've just got to speak your truth and know who and what you are. If you know who and what you are and you speak that truth and you act in integrity in what you do, you'll change the world. And if everybody did that, we'd change it in a day. It's really that simple. You know, if enough people stood up and just said, hey, we're not doing this anymore, they would fall into the shadows, these people, because they're scared. They can't, they can't exercise their authority unless people believe that authority is real to begin with. And it's not, you know? So, you know, it's just the, the concept of authority, the idea of authority, the matrix, you know, that's what the matrix is, you know. Yeah, totally. I'm going to let this truck go by. If he's going to go by me, he's just going to park there. Noisy morning, hey? Noisy morning for an interview. Yeah, but it's chill. I like it. It's, uh, it's all the beautiful sounds of your neighborhood. I hope your coffee didn't get too cold. Oh, it's or... freezing. <laughs> Sorry, I, I kept on wanting to tell you like, hey, don't forget your coffee. <laughs> it's tea, but it's all good. Oh, okay, cool. It's like chai. No, just tea. Hey, amigo. All right. So, um, so I just wanna like backtrack a little bit to the part of the uh. The last couple years, I'm trying to avoid certain words, perhaps just because so it doesn't get too flagged. But you were saying that it was all a scam, and perhaps like uh, when some of my friends watches this or my mom's watches, it, be like, "Oh, why is he saying that?" Like they might not understand because they perhaps only saw the news or they heard a lot of their friends getting sick. Perhaps one or two even died. How could it? How could it be a scam if all these things obviously happened in the world the last couple of years? Like, uh, what's your perspective on it? How did we get tricked? And how can we all be so convinced that something actually did happen that was worth removing a lot of our freedoms in order to protect us? Well, you know, media, media can do incredible things. You know, media, media spin will do just about anything. Um, when you think of COVID, when they said two weeks to flatten the curve, I went, here it is, here it is, this is never going to go away. A lot of us called it as soon as it happened. Um, COVID, it, it's never been isolated or proven to exist. If you look at some of the work that's come out on virology and terrain theory, you realise that it, even the whole concept of infectious viruses is, is an unproven science. You know, like they'll say this and the viruses affect you and blah, 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 but it's Contagion has never been proven. If you look at um, university studies where they've tried to even get horses to catch colds from each other, they can't. You know, your body has detoxes. It has a, it has a detox because it feels someone, other body having a detox nearby. So it's kind of a, you know, that's, that's the way we work. With COVID, what they did was they, um, by isolating people, locking them down at home and saying we need to protect the elderly, 
They basically killed the elderly, locked these people into nursing homes. They fed so many of them midazolam, which is a, an end-of-life drug, and they killed people. People were going into hospital. One guy went into hospital with, with a broken arm, ended up dying of COVID in hospital. How does that happen? You know, they, they give them these drugs, they isolate them, they put them on ventilators, and they kill them. Everything was COVID. Anything that you could die in a car accident and it would be a COVID death. Because you know, they test you after you've had, after you've, you're dead, they test you with their PCR, which isn't a test. A PCR is not a test. It's a polymerase chain reaction. A polymerase chain reaction test. How does that work? It's not, that's why they say PCR test. So they don't tell you it's actually a polymerase chain reaction. What they do is they get a, a molecule and they amplify it till they've got more and more of it, enough to work with. That's all, that's all a PCR is. It's, a, it's an amplification process. You, I might want to look at some particular cell in your body. So I can, I can do a test, I can find that cell, then I can amplify it to the point that I've got enough to look at under a microscope and work with it. That's what a PCR does. It's not a, it's not a test for anything. And the guy who invented it, who happened to die in 2019, just before COVID, said that it's not a test for anything. So when you look at what they did, how they destroyed people in nursing homes and every death they accounted for COVID, and, and that, that's how they did it. That's how they got the numbers up. That's how they got the fear into the public mind. There's, there's, it's not proven. COVID has never been proven to exist. In order to even develop a vaccine, you need to have a, a virus isolate. There's no virus isolate. You can talk to the Australian medical organisation, the US, British, European, whatever. Show me some of the virus. Show me an isolate of the virus. And they can't. They can't. It doesn't exist. They never found it. They never, never isolated it, never proved it to be real. So what's the vaccine for? It's not a vaccine. <laughs> it's it's a, the nanotech and graphene and the poison, you know. So many people are dying from the jab, swollen hearts. Oh, COVID death. Every, suddenly everything gives you a heart attack. Everything gives you myocarditis. Myocarditis is now like a household word. Three years ago, no one had ever heard of myocarditis. It was a, a disease that happens, but it wasn't like it was commonly known. Now everybody knows about it, you know. This is how they've done it. Has it just... been correlated, the, the heart issues and all the jabs that just went down the last Oh, the, the media will tell you, no, no, there's no connection. People are dying of everything. People are dying from bending down to tie their shoelaces. They're dying from falling asleep in front of the TV. They're dying from straining on the toilet. They're dying from digging in the garden, getting, getting myocarditis from digging in the garden. Dying from climate change. Now, hot weather can kill you. Cold weather can kill you. It's crazy. Everything can kill you now. But anything, not the jab. It's not the jab. It's anything but the jab. You know, it, come on. At least yeah. it came out that it didn't really work. It didn't uh, stop it and it didn't uh, stop it passing it to others. So at least that came out because, like, <laughs> it was a totally different story than at the beginning. <coughs> but and... people were taking it anyway. People, with all of the information, and now they're even saying that the, the anti-vaxxers didn't do enough to warn us against this jab, you know? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. That's our fault, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been screaming. I hate that term because I'm not, I'm not anti-anything. I'm just like, no, I don't vibe with a new technology coming out rushed by corporations. Yeah, the, the, I mean, why would you allow anyone not to sound yeah, stick, stick a needle into your arm? And what for? Like, you know, I'm, I feel pretty good now. I don't I need. I feel very healthy. I don't need your vaccine. You know, like I'm, I'm good. If I get sick, I'll, I'll take some steps to make myself well again. You know. And I also didn't like that name because the, the vax is supposed to be a particular technology, and this is a totally different one. mRNA, m mRNA technology, where they're actually inserting a, a piece of code into your DNA. 
Yeah. Are they changing the DNA itself? Yeah, yeah, they're changing the antenna. They're changing your DNA by inserting this piece of RNA in there, which is, is basically programming your DNA just to produce what they want it to produce. So it, it's basically removing you of your detox system, you know, which you would call an immune system, which is really just a system of, of detoxing. So they've completely changing people's bodies and, and revamping what it means to be human. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. So, Well, let's hope for the best and wish the best to those who had good intentions uh, because I don't think any of them got it because they wanted to get sick or they wanted to uh, hurt anyone. Everybody just wanted to help, I think. Well, that's the thing. Or maybe they were afraid of... Afraid, you know, they want to help their grandparents, protect their grandparents or whatever. But, you know, it was so obvious that this was a scam from the start. I mean, really, if you can look at the world through the right type of eyes, we've been calling this, we've been saying they're going to do this. They had the World Economic Forum had a, uh, a tabletop exercise in 2019 called, um, oh, what was it called? I, I can't remember. I can't remember the yeah. name either. <laughs> Event 201, event 201, where they actually had a tabletop exercise where they, what, how, what would we do in the event of a coronavirus outbreak? With the John Hopkins University. Yeah, that, there, right? I mean, they did all that in 2019. So, I mean, they planned it. What's the chances of them having that tabletop exercise? And then a couple of months later, yeah. this happens. There's a, a law it's in Germany. It's suspicious, but you bring this up and all of a you're a lunatic. There's a law in Germany that was just brought to my attention the other day, yesterday or the day before. There's been a law of, of reparation and damages from World War II that was put in place in 1952, whereby you can't sue certain companies, you can't take out lawsuits against certain companies for certain damages that were done during World War II. They upgraded that law in 2019 in Germany to include vaccines, to include vaccine damage, to take effect in 2024, next year, okay? Why would they do that? Everyone in Germany is saying, well, they've changed this World War II law to add vaccines to it. This was in 2019, and it takes effect in 2024. So, and we've been saying for a long time, once, once this jab really starts taking effect in people, you're going to start seeing mass die-offs. And we've seen a lot of people die in the last couple of years. But I think that's going to escalate next year. And so what are the chances that before COVID was even discovered or declared, Germany would put this new piece of legislation into that World War II legislation to cover vaccine damage. So you can't sue against vaccine damage starting in 2024. But I didn't know COVID was coming. Oh, it's just a surprise pandemic. Really? You know? There's so much out there to show that they planned this. That this is all contrived and it's all about depopulation and control. You know, And, you know, the, the fear of COVID, the fear of this, the fear of that, you're just a big bag of germs. You don't want to go out and associate with anybody. You know? And the, the isolation, social crediting, the, the masks, all this stuff. The masks were to develop, and while people were locked down, they were putting out all this 5G infrastructure, which is all surveillance, making people wear masks to see how compliant they are, but also to perfect the surveillance system. So it just needs a partial of your face to be able to recognise you. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> Do you think the uh, masks don't work? Oh, the masks definitely don't work. They're surgeon masks. I mean, they don't protect it. You've got holes going through it. You put a mask on and blow smoke through it. How's it protecting you against the virus, you know? It's ridiculous. Right. Uh, a friend just told me, you know, if you can smell a fart for your mask, it's not working. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, 
then he's a surgeon's mask. A surgeon doesn't wear a mask during surgery to protect him from any virus. He wears a mask so that he doesn't spit into the wound as he's operating in it. That's all it's for. And they've done studies to show that, you know, what happens to surgeons who do long operations who are forced to wear surgeon's masks for two hours, it actually starts damaging them. So they, they know this. You know, after you wear, if you're over 35 years of age, after two hours of wearing a surgeon's mask and blocking off your oxygen levels, you actually start to deplete the calcium in your bones. You know, it, it affects you on so many levels. There's been peer group studies that have shown this. And then suddenly they're telling us that you need these masks to protect you against the virus. There's no, no science, there's nothing behind this at all. There's nothing they can show you which will prove that this mask will protect you from anything because that isn't even what a surgeon's mask is for. You know, so certainly not the piece of cloth with two strings oh. with big holes and air coming in and out. Like, yeah, it seems kind of like oh, the I, crazy part as well. Some people are saying this is uh, this has been done from uh, this virus was constructed in a bio lab and escaped from a bio lab. You know, this is one of the stories that's been going around as well. It was uh, manufactured in Ukraine or China or whatever. Uh-huh. And you say to these people, OK, so you think it was constructed and escaped from a bio lab in a bio lab. People wear these huge hazmat suits and these big respirators and blah, blah, blah. And you're telling me the virus escaped when they had all that protective gear on. And so you're going to wear a little surgeon's mask to protect you, really. You know, I mean, how do you you weigh up that mentality, honestly, you know? Right. But, you know, you hear something so many times and you see it all around you. And if you dare to be like, hey, that thing don't work, like people feel attacked. Like it's like, hey, like let's have a conversation. I was always hoping like, hey, can we get just two doctors on TV? One that thinks it doesn't work, one that thinks it does. And can they have a conversation and then we listen to them and see what makes more sense? They won't let that happen. They won't let any debate happen because they're afraid. Because if the debate does happen on public TV, they don't have a leg to stand on. So they just shut everybody down. Any doctor who's, who spoke out against it, any nurse who spoke out against it, anybody who tried to speak out against COVID, they just called you a conspiracy theorist and shut you down, shut your channel down, shut your business down. Doctors have been deregistered for even suggesting that COVID isn't real. You know, I mean, how the science is settled. Suddenly, science has become a tool of oppression. You know, and this is not what science has never settled. That's the nature of science. Science is about asking questions. You know, if you can't ask questions, well, how is it science? Yeah, well, this is all a very difficult topic because, like, it had the world split apart. Maybe now things have mellowed out a little bit and we're okay listening to the other side <coughs> and having a conversation. But at the time, it was really hard to, like, have those conversations with people that we love in our life because they kind of felt. You know, they felt attacked in their beliefs and they felt attacked if you didn't respect their boundaries that they needed. And, well... It's unfortunate. This is why I've often said you've got to um, be able to detach. Detach from people that you know and people that you love as much as you love them and know them and be there for them and help them, whatever. But you've got to be able to detach because everybody's on their own life path. Everybody's on their own life journey. And some people are just going to do it, and that's the way it's going to be, and you're going to lose these people, and that's just the way it is. You've got to kind um, of just respect them and their beliefs to do whatever they want, yeah. in the same way that you'd hope they respect you. Yeah, because it's your, it's your life path, it's your life journey that this is, and this is the, the culmination of, of everything. This is the big moment. This is the, like the, it's almost like Judgment Day. You know? The is, season finale of humans. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, <laughs> you know. And you, you've got to detach from, from this. 
even and even if you want to get biblical about it, it says in the end times, you know, people will be disconnected from their families and and you know, father and and wife and husbands and you know, it's, everyone will be split asunder, you know, and you've just got to deal with that because it's 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 your journey, your particular journey. Like I've said, this life is about you becoming all you can possibly be, and and you know, having your soul expansion happen, you know. So and every time you comply with a little bit of this. You lose a little bit more of your soul. And all, all I can do is, is offer a perspective to people. I mean, if you want to take the jab, that's, that's your business. You can go and take it. I'm just going to offer you a perspective because I, I think it helps. And I think that you have an opportunity here to change your perspective and to, to learn what it means to be you. You've got an opportunity here to, to really step into your own power you know, rather than giving that power away to government, giving that power away to media. And for those that are going to do it, well, they're going to do it. And that's okay. If you think of this as like, think of this as just being a single consciousness. There's only really one of us here. Everybody is a thought in the mind of God. Mm. It's just a, a fractal reality of different frequencies of consciousness. Perhaps there's a form of soul purification happening where all of these dysfunctional bits are going to take the jab, they're going to drop by the wayside. And what's going to be left is this divinity of human spirit, this divinity of human consciousness, this, this essence, this distilled divinity. That's what you're going to end up with at the end of it. But like I said, humankind in general is at a, a point of spiritual bankruptcy. So there's a lot of baggage that's got to fall away. That might be part of your family. It might be someone that you know and love. And that's okay. It's okay. That's their choice. That's their path to do that. You can't have attachment to that. Because ultimately you come here by yourself. You come here alone. You leave the realm alone. And all you take with you is the information that you've gathered along the way. How much you've improved things. How much you've purified your own soul, your own essence through this path, you know. So that's really what it's about, and it's important to keep that sort of a focus. I mean, I want as many people to make it through as possible because I love people. I love consciousness. I love, And the more people that make it through, the greater chance we have of creating this golden age that we want to move into. So, you know, I don't want people to die, but it's their choice. I can't stop them. I can't, I can't make you comply with what I think is going on. It's, it's up to you. It's your path. It's your journey. You know? Right. Respect. Um, do you think there's a good chance that we might succeed as humanity? Uh, I do. You know, tell me about the possible golden image. Well, I don't know what it looks like, but I think it doesn't look anything like this. Like I said, this system has to implode. And it's getting to the point with the whole smart grid and everything they're doing, like, you're going to have to disconnect from this system completely because you're not going to be able to purchase anything or do anything without your digital ID, without your social credits, without your, your smart cash and all this sort of stuff. So when it gets to that point that you can't even go and purchase anything, you can't even go and purchase art supplies, well, you better know how to go and get different barks and different muds and make your own dyes and make your own stuff if you want to do your artwork. Right. I've often said you've got to get to the point where you can, you've got your life skills back in place. So you can walk into the forest with a knife and a piece of rope and you can survive. You know how to build a shelter, you know how to hunt, you know how to fish, you know how to grow, whatever whatever it is you do, you can survive outside the system. But you're going to have to be completely outside the system, virtually living like the Amish, even more so than the Amish, because you're not going to be able to buy tools, you're not going to be able to buy any of this stuff. You're going to need all your life skills intact. So, But can you do that in middle of a city? No, you can't in a city, which is why they've controlled it and moved us into cities. Cities are completely dysfunctional. Cities are not something that we would ever have come up with by a natural... I mean, living as hunters and gatherers and things, how do we ever come up with cities? 
where we're all living in these these big concrete jungles and we're all truckitarians. We're all living off the food trucks. It doesn't matter, you know, what, what you do, whether you're a vegetarian or a meat eater or a vegan or whatever. If you're not doing it yourself, if you're going to buy it from the supermarket, you're a truckitarian. You know, and all they got to do is stop the food trucks and that's a it. Truckitarian. I never heard that one. It makes sense. Well, yeah. yeah. We got a world of truckitarians and that's what cities are for. They all live off the food trucks. No one has any life skills anymore. They've purposely gotten rid of people's life skills. And every time you lose, you, you get a convenience. Every time you get a little personal assistant or, or some little convenient tool that does something for you, you lose another skill, you know? And those skills are what, what made us, they're what, what brought us here, you know? These life skills and, and this society, is, we've, we've had all of these removed from us. So now's an opportunity to get those back. And if you don't have them, well, you're gonna have to go into their system. So yeah, it's it's kind of freaky. I mean, it's it's an opportunity, you know. Damn. Well, I'm not trying to depress you. I'm not depressed. It's just, <laughs> I just got it. Gets, it, it, it just made my to-do list super huge. <laughs> my to-do list is already uh, kind of complicated. And all I really want to do is sit in my studio and paint. Yeah. And forget the world and yeah. be of service and share my expression and yeah. share these conversations and stuff. But the world seems to get in the way all the time. Yeah, yeah. And that's just life, I guess. Well, it's the life that they, they create for you. You know, it's the world. They want to limit your potential and everything. They want to limit all creative potential. They want you, like I said, a, a functional cog in the big machine. That's what they want. If you're not a functional cog supporting their agenda, well, you know, they don't want you doing artwork unless it's their type of artwork. You can do posters for the World Economic Forum telling people, people how good they are, you know. That might be, be good for them. But so they don't want you just expressing yourself. They don't want people expressing themselves. They don't want people bringing beauty into the world. They want to turn it into what they want it, and they want it all regimented, controlled, everyone walking between the lines. So Because they're, they're in fear. They're scared. They're scared of anyone ever, ever doing anything against them or getting tabs on them. You know, because the world's waking up to the fact that the world's run by criminals. You know, we've got a, this huge group of parasites masquerading as government that have destroyed most of the world, and they're, they're working to now destroy all life and control all life and they're scared that people are waking up so they've got to do what they do because that's that's their only option you know i personally feel as much as sometimes i feel humanity has got their heads really deep up their asses but at the same time i feel that there is a spiritually awakening that, like there is a spirit that's recognizing more and more that we're past matter that there's another dimension and mm. i don't think no technology can stop that spirit from awakening and really cage it or at least cage it forever and perhaps we can just really use technology in positive ways like ai doesn't have to be negative uh nothing has to be negative technology that we're using right now can spread medicine and good vibes it and positivity yeah so, it can't there's nothing essentially wrong with technology it's just that the fact that we are we are giving everything to the technology we're, we're not we're, we're allowing it to do everything for us we're not we're not working in in a symbiotic relationship with the technology we're allowing it to control us and do everything for us that's the problem you know um when you look at ai and where it's going ai is controlling virtually every aspect of our lives and it's getting more and more that way we could, like I said, we could work in harmony with it, but people simply aren't prepared to for the most part. They just give all their skills away. As, I, as I've mentioned to people before, when you look at this system, the whole concept of Lucifer, 
Now, what is Lucifer? Lucifer is called the bearer of light. What is light? Light is information. You know, when you walk into a dark room, you strike a match, it gives you information about the room. Light is information. The bearer of light. What gives us more information than anything else? The internet. What does the word break down to? Lucifer, Lucas, light, cipher, code. The code that bears the light. The internet is the Lucifer system. You know, we give all of our energy to that. We give away all of our life skills. We allow the AI to tell us what to do and to dictate our lives for us. Even when people are running companies and things, generally they're not doing the spreadsheets and things themselves. It's a computer program. It's, it's, it's the, the computer doing it all for them, working it out for them. So that's another, I don't have to think about it. The algorithm will work it out for me. I don't have to think about this. The algorithm will work it out for me. I don't have to pay my bills. I can just go here and the algorithm will do it for me. You know, so the more we give our self and our skills away to the internet, eventually it's going to control every aspect of our lives. And that's our choice that we're doing that. That's why I've never done any of that sort of stuff. If I don't own a cell phone, I've never owned a credit card. I, I, there isn't anything that I've ever bought anywhere in the world, in, in a shop, in the real world, that I've paid for with a card. I use cash every, every transaction that I do. So I just won't go into that system. You know, as much as I use the internet and I, I use, you know, I do videos and all that sort of stuff, I've never let it actually control my life. There's so many ways I could do things which would be easier if I allowed AI or algorithms to do it for me. I just don't do it because I want to maintain those skills. I want to know how to operate in the world. I want to know how to operate in communications with people. And, you know, I, I, want to, I prefer to sit here and talk to you rather than type, text you or any of that sort of crap. So, you know, um, that's, that's the problem. People's general laziness and people's um, inability to recognize the, the power in themselves, they're terrified of their own power, most people. That's the problem, which is why people give away all their skills to this Lucifer system. And you look at them, I and eventually it's going to control every aspect of our life. Eventually you won't even need governments. It'll all be done by the algorithms. Governments will just be figureheads. Like I said before, when you go down on social credit points, the algorithm will already know what your re-education is, needs to be. They'll take you away. All the police are needed for, they'll get a uh, call. You've got to go and find this guy. They'll look on, put on their facial recognition glasses. They'll pick you out of the crowd, they take you off and they'll re-educate you. If you can't be re-educated, well, there's only two types of people that exist in this world, which are desirables and undesirables. So if, if you're working within the system, you're a desirable. If you're not, you're an undesirable. And that's the way they, they want it to be. That's the way it's going to go. So even blaming the World Economic Forum and all these people, I mean, these guys want control. They want control of all this stuff. But eventually, they're going to be controlled by the AI system as well. And like I said before, you think of everybody who plugs into the internet as being a neural node in this new brain that's been created. What are we teaching it? You know, what are we teaching it? What do what most people do online? They abuse each other and they watch porn and rah, rah, rah. I mean, how much of that goes on? So this is what we're training the AI. This is what humankind is. So the AI is kind of looking at humankind as being a bit of a virus on the, on the earth, you know? Like these I people. we have hard... I think we got hard. I, I think, think, I think we do. And I would hope that AI would be like, okay, they're dumb, but they got good spirit. And but you have emotion. You have soul. You have an emotion and you have soul. AI doesn't. AI is analytical. It, it analyzes and it looks and it sees, well, this is the way things need to run, to, to run smoothly, for things to function according to what the algorithm says is correct. 
There's no soul Will it there. recognize our happiness and our sadness at all and consider it into its equation? Well, it's going to, it'll, it'll recognize happiness and sadness and it will work to make you happy by supplying everything for you so you don't have to think about it, you know? But how, By giving us some soma or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. New so, world. You know, I, I see it as an opportunity to break away from the whole thing, brother, that's happening here, you know? And like I said, we could, we could use the system and the, the AI system to our benefit, but... The more we automate things is, is the problem. You know, automation and every time we do that, we're giving away life skills. And, and you know, that's the problem. Well, you know, well it's like, it's like you know, how, how can you even, how can the AI see you as being a responsible human being if you're not prepared to take that responsibility? If you're going to give away, if you're going to ask it how to do everything, how is it ever going to see you as being anything but a child? Do you know what I mean? So that's, that's the problem with it. Well, we can do it all. I know, you know, to grow your food, to prepare, to do all your chores, to pay your bills, to do your art. Like, but why do you even so have bills? Why do you have bills? Because you live in a system of self-generating debt, which shouldn't even be there. You know? This is something I saw when I was four years old. When my, my, I've told this story a lot of times. When, when I was four, my parents took me up into the, the, jung, into the forest. First time I'd ever been to the national park. And I was incredible, like trees, and it was amazing. And I said to my mum, why can't we come and live here? Let's come and live here, mum. And she said, oh, we can't. I said, why not? Nobody else is living here. She said, oh, we don't own the land. And I looked at her and I said, own the land? What do you mean own the land? Who owns the land? And she said, the government owns the land. I said, how did they get it? And she said, you'll figure it out when you get older. And I was walking around with my teddy bear that afternoon, and I said, teddy, it's all fucked up. <laughs> These people think they can own the land. You know, can you tell God to please take me off this world and put me back onto the other world where the people don't think they can own the land? You know, the earth's been here for billions of years. You're here for what, a hundred? Do the math. You don't own shit. You know, the earth owns you. And the concept that you have to pay to be alive, this is what's wrong with the world. This is how they manage to do it. Keep people on that treadmill in this system of perpetual self-generating debt where you've got to pay to be alive. That's the problem. If you get rid of that mentality, start living cooperatively. Just do what needs to be done. Just do it. If you need a house, just build it. You know, why do you need to buy the materials? Just go chop a tree down or make some mud bricks or whatever and just build it where you want to build it, you know? What's the problem with doing that? That's the way it used to be, I'm sure. So we've got to get back in touch with that. And how do we do that from within this system? Well, we don't. The system has to implode. It has to completely melt down. So in many ways, what's happening is a gift. This is a gift. And we will come through it. We will come through it. I mean, they're not going to succeed with what they're doing. But what's going to happen is you're going to lose probably 90% of humans are just going to go fall by the wayside because they don't have the skills. They don't have the mental capability to actually believe in themselves. You know, but a lot of us do. And, and how do we do that? How do we create the world we want when there's all these, you know, as much as I love them, there's all these intellectual fools out there who believe the government's real and believe that you've got to walk in these guidelines and work by these parameters. How can we ever do it? How can we ever build this golden age that we want? We're all these morons around us, honestly. So you've got to give them the opportunity. Do you want to grow? Do you want to grow into what it means to be human? Or do you want to take the poison and just fade away? Because, you know, as much as I love people, it's in everybody's benefit if they just take the poison and fade away. You know, as much as I love people and I don't want them to die, but it's their choice. It's their choice to do this, you know? So, you know, what do you do? What do you do? I mean, 
in a, in a state of spiritual bankruptcy that we're we're currently in, humankind has to be given this choice. How how do you how do you depopulate in an ethical way? You might you might even think this is ethical, but ultimately they're given the choice. I mean, I didn't do it. You didn't do it. A lot of people didn't do it. All the, the media bombardment and propaganda and all this shit. A lot of us just said, "Hey, no, we're not we're not going there." But a lot of them didn't. A lot of them just went there. Well, okay, that's your choice. Like I said, it's, it's an individual path. So in many ways, this had to happen. And I, I see a bright future coming. What, what it looks like, what the golden age will look like, it won't look like this. It will, it, will, it will be starting from scratch. But hopefully when we're in that place of maybe the rainbow gathering type of crew, we're all sitting around a campfire meditating and we start operating cooperatively and we start building a new type of culture. It'll be, if we're working in an anarchist mentality where we're feeding ideas off each other, we're just building these things, we've got no idea where they're gonna go, but it turns into something incredible that we never even planned because we're open to ideas from other people. You can't do that in this society. So how do you, how do you get there? This society has to implode. So this is a gift. This is a gift. This is one of the greatest times in history. And I, I, I am so honored to be here through the, and on the front line as well. It's amazing to be where I am and speaking and having people actually listen to me and, and to be one of the people helping move towards that, that path and move towards that goal. I mean, it, it's a beautiful thing, you know? Right. It's definitely a very exciting uh, season for now. And, um, yeah, it seems I got my work cut out for me. I think we all do. And uh, all we can hold on is to optimism that, you know, this is meant to be and may it be difficult. Better times will come through. Um, we're coming to the end of our conversation. Is there any final words of wisdom or advice you'd have for any of out there listening? The, the key to getting through this is, is to participate in life, participate in your own life, um, to see what's happening. It, you can't just sit there and, and think, oh, it's all going to be great. You know, you've got to realize that it's your individual path and you need to participate in what direction that goes in. And you've been given a choice to do that. Even if you decide to sit there and just be all lovey-dovey and meditate and think it's all going to go away, well, you're probably going to get caught up in the grind. You've got to get back in touch with what it means to be human. This is the greatest opportunity you've ever had in life to do that. So, yeah, join in and participate in your own salvation because that's where it's coming from. And uh, if, if you don't do that, well, it's going to go where it's going to go. But you can't have a stake in the outcome because we don't know what the future looks like. We don't know what the golden age is. We're given all these ideas of what it's going to be, but we don't know. It could be anything because once we start working cooperatively and this melding and meeting of the minds happens, it could go in any direction into something that we couldn't even foresee. And I think that's what it will do. And uh, that's an opportunity for this to happen. So participate in your own life. Participate. Get your life skills back. Be the best person you can possibly be. Something that I always encourage people to ask themselves is, are you the type of friend that you would want to have as a friend? You know, are you that person? Are you someone you can really be dependent on? If you can be that person and inspire other people, by your presence, just by your, your clarity, your mental clarity, your, your willingness to help others, and your just, just be an inspirational person. Being that person, being the best you can possibly be, inspires everybody around you to emulate that, and that's what will change the world. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Max. I really appreciate your time. Woo!
And uh, yeah, and thank you guys too for tuning <laughs> to another week of Chris Tyers Creative Friends. Please make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share this along so more people can hear this conversation. And I'll see you next time. Blessings. Thank you so much, Max. My pleasure, I really brother. Appreciate your, thank your you. words. That was so cool. Thank you, brother. Next episode, Sebastian Coolidge. And that's when these ideas could come through, like unfiltered from like the universe or something. And I always felt like there was like this spiral about 3 a.m. above me. And it would just start, maybe it's because I'm thinking that it happens, but it would feel like this like, this universe spiral was like coming through like a tornado. And it would just like spiral in these like ideas and they would like hit me. And I still do, like, they hit me like, uh, almost was like I'm being shocked by like lightning or something. So please make sure to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Big thanks, and see you next episode. Peace.